0: This week, we're joined by special guest, Will Bishop. Um, Will is based over in Australia. Um, I believe he is currently traveling in a van and developing in a van on the road. That's right. Um, Will has a... a, Your current app is Pestle, I believe, which is a a, um, cooking and recipes app. And... Yep. You also have a history with uh, watch app development, I believe, too. I
1: do. I have a yeah a few years gone back of, of various watch creations.
0: Awesome. So, Daniel. Hi. Good morning. I think let's, let's kick off the show like we always will do with um, catching up on what we've been up to in the last week.
2: Let's do that. But first of all, Will, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. Love to be here.
2: awesome, David. What did you do last week?
0: Oof, I fell down a rabbit hole uh, playing with servers and Docker.
2: Nice. After Which I warned you not, not to. IOS <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. <laughs> that, that that kind of set me off. You mm-hmm. said no. I said uh, I've got to go and have a look. Right. Yeah. So super lightweight at the moment. I've just been experimenting to see if I can get. On a single Linode instance, Mm -hmm. a um, Nginx proxy and then have several different Docker um, services behind that Mm -hmm. and then wire it all up to backups and logging and that side of things. Um, And all I've got there at the moment is two WordPress sites. But this is kind of an experiment. I need the sites anyway. And then for an idea that I've got for later in the year, um, I'll need to do much more. Sounds so good. this kind of gives me a bit of experience.
2: Yeah. Nice. Uh,
0: uh, I'm enjoying it, but it is a rabbit hole.
2: <laughs> it is. You can you can sink <laughs> a lot of time in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I've not been opening Xcode for the last few days, so that's felt a bit weird.
2: Oh, I can I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. You are, you are you one of those people who feels like they don't work when Xcode doesn't open. Like that that doesn't count as as work work.
0: Well, I don't have to close
1: it.
2: Okay, that's fair.
1: Must be nice. I'm living off battery life at the moment. I have to close every app that I'm not actively using. Oh,
2: Oh, yeah, I can imagine living in a van.
1: Yep, I've got no power hookup. I'm running off two batteries that I'm actually sitting on top of right now. So I'm running a a fridge as well, and that's kind of uh, as fun as it is to make apps. Uh, Having food that's not spoiled is. Kind of more of a medical necessity. Uh, um, it's yeah. kind of priority number
2: yeah. one. Yeah, that's like hierarchy of needs. Right yeah. Um, uh, do you have it at like some solar panels or something? Does your like Xcode compile speed get faster whenever the sun shines? Uh,
1: I, I'm trying to limit my compiles as much as possible. because it, I, I, I don't have an M1 much. Mac either. Like I've got the old one. I've got the old Intel-based uh, stuff, which I need to upgrade, but. It's, mm-hmm. it it gets a bit slow. And so, yeah, I've got a solar panel on top oh, of yeah. my van and it, it charges when I drive as well. Um, but I have to kind of hope that when I pull up somewhere to try and, you know, sink a few hours' work in, that I'm going to be able to keep up. Mm-hmm. I've actually I've, I've taped over the battery monitor that I got up front because I got too stressed out watching it all the time. Like, <laughs> nothing's ever gone wrong. I've never run out of power. in all the time I've spent in this van, but the battery monitor that I've got mm-hmm. is constantly, like, under-reporting it. And because, you know, these batteries, in your phone, it's all kind of managed for you, like, your your battery health. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a van, you know, the battery health is on you. And I'm reading this battery battery monitor, and it's telling me that I'm in, like, you know, damaging territory, and that uh, I have to stop using the battery. Oh. But then I check the actual, like, I, you know, I can put a multimeter on the terminals or whatever, and I'm fine. So... I've taped it up for now. Uh, not looking at it.
2: I think that's very smart. Is that just
0: gaffer tape over the top?
1: Yeah, literally. I've just yeah, just gaffer tape over the top of it. Um, multiple layers of it because I could because it's like a little digital. Looks like an alarm clock readout. So I've just put like six layers of tape on top. Now I can't see it. No, you know what? I'm at peace. I didn't even check it before plugging in my laptop. Now uh, solar's well past uh, you know being usable at this hour. It's you know, quarter past seven at night here, so Seoul's not happening. Um, right, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm not thinking about it. I'm I'm worry free.
2: Awesome. So if you're suddenly gone, <laughs> we know what happened. You'll know um, what happened. How did you? Yeah. How did you get this started? Like, why are you using a van to um, travel across what I assume is southern Southern Australia?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, right now I'm in I'm in a little town called Mount Beauty in Victoria. Uh-huh. Um. It's actually really nice. I I messaged a friend of mine. Um, I didn't know where she was staying. I just said, oh, I, I want to, you know, because I she she used to live in a van as well. And I said, are you traveling at the moment? Where are you based? Went, oh, I'm in I'm in Mount Beauty. Uh, feel free to come and and crash here for a night. And you know, given that this van doesn't have showers or a toilet, uh, I will take any opportunity to stay at someone's house as I can. So I'm, I'm I'm based in Mount Beauty at the moment, which is in in Victoria, uh, just. Nearly on the New South Wales border, so kind of almost making our way up the east coast, but not quite. Um, mm-hmm. But like as as yeah. for why I'm in a van in the first place, uh, I didn't even know that you could buy a van and and convert it into something until <laughs> like mid mid 2020. I was in you know it was my first year out of high school, and I'd made a totally new friend group, and they wanted to go camping, and I thought, oh my god, I'm going to hate camping so much. But Mm -hmm. given that, like, my current friend group was, like, kind of in shambles, and this new friend group, I didn't really know at all. Like, I'd seen them, like, once at a party, and they were like, come camping with us. I I learned now it's because, like, they needed another guy. They needed a quota. But anyway, (laughs) I hung out with them, good friends, whatever, and one of them had just bought a van and done it up. And I thought, oh my god, I didn't even thought, like, that you could do that so I spent a while looking, um, of course, international travel was all closed and Mm -hmm. it was supposed to be my gap year. You know, I was supposed to be traveling on the other side of the world. That's what you're supposed to do when you finish high school. Uh, And so with all that shut down, I thought, all right, well, I may as well see Australia and I've only got like a little car at home. I wasn't about to live in that. So I spent a while looking for a van. I finally found the perfect one, uh, built it ripped everything out of it. And uh, my dad and I had a couple months worth of a project, building a van, building a bed and kitchen and, and getting everything in it. it sounds um, like such awesome. a fun project. It was terrific. It was, you know, it actually like my, it left when I drove away, my dad had nothing to do because he'd just spent a month and a half helping me build something. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. um, and so he, he ended up building a cabinet, which didn't need to be built, but he needed something to do. So he built a cabinet, so it was, uh, but no, it was it was a terrific project for the both of us. It was super fun, um, and now I can live in the back of a van, and now I'm you know a couple probably a thousand k's from home or something, um, in in a little in a little van talking to you guys.
2: That is so cool. Brilliant. How um how long have you been traveling?
1: Well, okay, <laughs> so this trip only a week. It's actually my week a week today. Um, I, I originally planned to spend a lot more time in it. So I, I built it the end of 2020, start of 2021, and I set off for six weeks in April, 2021. And I went to Tasmania, which is an island uh, off the bottom of Australia. And I spent six weeks there and I I was planning on going away for a lot longer, but a couple of days before Christmas, I got a DM from a random person on Instagram uh, asking me on a date, and I thought, all right, Aww. sweet, sure, I'll I'll go on a date. And I met um I met my girlfriend no, she's now my girlfriend, uh, and I met her, and I and I told her when we first met, I was like, you know, I've got this van, I'm planning on leaving, and she was like, go for it, do what you need to do. Um, so I went to Tasmania. She flew in for ten days, and I came back, and I thought, I actually don't want to leave again. Like, I, I quite <laughs> like being around her. Um, so now we were. She was at uni doing things, or she was working, and so now she's gotten her first uni break and work break at the same time, and so we're we're going away together for for forty five days.
2: That's pretty sweet. I like it. I had the impression that you would like go on these I don't know eight months, twelve months trips mm. throughout the outback, but so it's it's a little bit bit more like uh, these smaller trips, and then in between you would you would come back.
1: Yeah. These, these short little stints, and uh, but it's I mean even when I'm at home, it's super convenient to have like a you know just uh, mm-hmm. just before Christmas, my mate was having a like a Secret Santa thing in his in his paddock, and so I can mm-hmm. drive my van to his house, and I've got a queen size bed to sleep in, and I'm comfy ass. <laughs> like you know I can <laughs> it's a it's a real transportable like, and I haven't used it for this yet, but another great option is if I'm going to someone's house and I'm drinking and I can't drive home. Yeah. Then, um and instead of paying for an Uber...
0: You've got a bed. I've
1: got a queen-size bed. I'm set. I'm more comfy than they are.
2: Very nice. Yeah. And did you... Um, did you like... Is the, is the working on apps thing... Is that more more a... It, did that come because you were bored on the trip? Or did you start that before?
1: No. So I've been working on apps since... I put my first app out in 2018, I believe. So I, I started uh-huh. I started learning in... Uh, oh, I want to say 2016 when I started like learning Swift and learning iOS development, and I was I was learning a few other languages before that, um, mm-hmm. and I hated them for a long while. I started learning Python actually. <laughs> it's like school forced me to. It was my first year of high school. <laughs> I said, "Either everyone's learning Python because you know it's a it's a progressive school. It's the new newer uh, industry." Uh so they forced us all to learn Python which I found is a really quick way to make everybody hate programming. They said you all have to do it you all have to Ooh. same yeah you, know, you all have to build the exact same program.
2: It's kind of like forcing people to read classic literature in school maybe.
1: Exactly and it's, if you're not into that then you're yeah. not going to really vibe with it and there's no more like proof that it was a, a flawed class than like you know me now my whole job is programming. And so a programming class should be right up my alley and yet I hated it. I thought it was rubbish. I didn't want to do it. It it was super boring because they you, you all had to make the same program. They'd give every uh every student the same input and judge judge the output of that program uh all the same so you had no you know option to kind of put your own flair into it. You couldn't put your creativity into this program. You were literally just this mindless Produce the output that they want, sort of program, and it you
0: know it just made us all hate it. Right, that'd be like trying to teach an art class or something and have people draw exactly the same. Yeah, there's and like prescriptive, exactly. Just...
1: And there's there's you know I I took art classes at school and they did it so much better. They would tell you, you know, they're, they're sort of telling you what to make, but they are letting you put your own flair into it. Like we had a we were working with clay and they were making us build a whistle out of clay. But we were allowed to build that thing in whatever shape we wanted and do whatever flares, whatever colors, anything. And it made it so much more enjoyable because you could actually put what you wanted to do uh, into this project. And it could be judged the same with every student, but you were allowed to you know put your creativity into it. And so it wasn't until yeah. I uh, the next semester, uh, we had a teacher who was teaching us animation with Flash as a, in a multimedia course. I'm like, you know, Flash, this is 2015. Flash is already outdated. I'm pretty sure it's dead now. Uh she was teaching us Flash. Uh, pretty yeah, much. And yeah, and no one did their homework. Like not a not a single student did their homework. And so the teachers just, just cracked it. And said, All right, that's it, we're doing Python now instead. I was, you know, <laughs> dreading going, Oh god, more of <laughs> this. I hate Python. Uh, but she had more of an art background. And that meant that she told us to make a game. That was the entire description of the assignment make a game uh and so we were able to build what we wanted put our flair into it and i found that i built this game in python and even after submitting it uh and getting my grade back i was still working on it i was working on what was effectively a school assignment long after it it was all finished um and that led to a you know i mean led to now really kind of been a path since then
2: does sound like a smart teacher
1: yeah, I mean, I don't want to give her too much credit. <laughs> she, <laughs> she had, she had other problems, um, but yeah, for the for the most part.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I'm kind of glad that the Python story had had a happy end because like when you were starting and you were like, oh, and Python is so horrible, I was like, oh. I used to, like when I finally arrived at Python in my developer journey, I was like, oh, this is a breath of fresh air. I love this mm. language.
1: <laughs> I love it now. I love it now. I used <laughs> Python for a long time. Before I started iOS development, my first mm-hmm. you know, real Python program was something to fix a problem I had at school where you know all of our grades were posted online. So I would sit at home hitting refresh all night, not getting anything done, waiting for a math grade to come out. And I thought there's gotta be a better way to do this. So I wrote a Python script that would check for me and send me a little notification on my phone when when it was ready. When 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 a grade had come out. And so I could just go about my days not worrying about it and I would know within sixty seconds of a grade coming out. Um and I was it was brilliant. And then I adapted that into an iOS app, taught myself Swift, uh and then built everything from there.
2: So that's how you got into the whole iOS development thing?
1: Yeah, hating, hating school websites, the summary. The, the, <laughs>
2: the, the thing is, like, that's kind of how I started. So I get that. Um, nice. And, and so w- what, what did you do after that? Like, um, you started writing a, an app that checks your maths grades. And then what's, what was your next app?
1: So, from that app, uh, the next thing, and th- I mean, this is the part of the story that sounds like perhaps a little bit selfish or a little bit self-centered, but I would sit in school assemblies, and now I wasn't a particularly studious kid. I didn't get amazing grades, and I wasn't particularly sporty either. And so, for a school like mine, which was a very academic high school, it was focused on you know those two things. Mm-hmm. Who's representing the school in a positive light, you know, at other schools and in, in sporting events. Uh, and who's getting great grades here. And so the assemblies were talking about those students. And so I would sit there and I'd be so bored because I think, yeah, like, yeah, they're not talking about me, which sounds self-centered, but it's like, you're sitting there listening for sometimes 90 minutes about how good your classmates are. And you're thinking, well, great for them. But like, I could be doing my homework right now. Oh, yeah, but, you I, I know, totally, I, I totally get here.
2: get that. Like, <laughs> yeah, honouring so people is good. But was, if you're always thinking, like, okay, yeah, I'm not in the group that's being um, presented. Yeah, honored, like
1: this could be an email. Yeah. Just email me what grades <laughs> they got or something.
2: Uh, and so
1: I was, sitting there, I was so bored, and I knew, like, I, I kind of negotiated with my parents to go halves in like an Apple Watch for Christmas. Um, like the you know the cheapest Apple Watch you can get mm. halves on that. Um, and so I was saving up for that, and I was sitting in school assemblies, and I was quite fond at the time of Reddit. And I was sitting there going, I wish I could go on Reddit uh, at these assemblies. You're not allowed to go on your phone. You're not allowed to have headphones in. Um, how can I make that happen? And I thought, well, I'm going to have an Apple Watch in like a month's time. And I know a little bit about how to make iPhone apps. How hard could it be to make a watch app? That's so I started building... I Started building a Reddit app for the Apple Watch, and it took me about like after three months, I put it on test flight. So you know, I paid the 150 Australian dollars for the for the Apple Developer membership, and at the time, when I've got no income, 150 dollars is a lot of money, and yeah. I'm thinking far out. I hope I hope I can make this back, and so I made my first thing Nano uh, is what it was called. I put it on test flight. I got a couple of testers. And people loved it. People on test flight were like, this is sweet. I'm using this in meetings. I'm using this at school assemblies. I'm using it in class. You know, like, I'm kind of collectively contributing to a hell of a lot of wasted time. <laughs> but, like, you know, people are really liking it. Nice. And so I I packaged it up as, as Nano for Reddit. Um, I thought, Nano, that's something little. The watch is little. Yep. Nano for Reddit. Uh, and so... Five months from from hitting new project in Xcode, I was hitting release on on the App Store Connect website, and so then I thought, all right, well I've released the app. You know now what? And so I thought, ah, I'll email journalists because they'll care. So I wrote. Uh, I want to say it was twenty two emails to to journalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty twenty one of them ignored me, um, and which which was disheartening. When I, you know, I'd send out twenty something emails, to twenty different people. They were all personalised. You know, spent a lot of time on each one. Yeah. Uh, ignored, ignored by every single one of them, except for one. One email from a guy called Peter Cow, who works for Nine to Five Mac. He read my email and said, "I love this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this on our website." And it was kind of from that point on. That was really the the starting point of this. I mean, I I guess I can almost call it a career at this point. Um, That's what kicked it off, was Peter Cow reading my email, being the one out of 22 that did. Um, He made, he put his article out, I put that on the Apple subreddit, you know, I got a few thousand downloads, and within the first few days of Nano being out, I'd made back that, maybe even the first day, I'd made back that $150, and I could not believe it. It was my first ever income. It was my—I didn't have a job before this. You know, I was a high school student. I'd never had a job. Uh, I couldn't believe that I'd made you know a couple hundred dollars in one day. Like mind blowing to me at sixteen. Just from and that then,
0: coverage, that that nine to five.
1: Yeah, Mac, just just nine from school. nine to five, Mac putting an article out. I remember because uh, at the time you, know, you could check your revenue once per day. There was no last twenty four yes. hours. There was no real time. Uh, and that I once per day, days, yeah. yeah once per day was, like, you know, just after lunchtime for me at school. Uh, and so I remember, like, sitting in class and hitting refresh on that page and seeing that I'd made, like, it was, like, 340 or $500 or something. And my mind was blown. And, I, I mean, you know, to be fair, it still would be if I made that much in one day. I'd still be, like, this is crazy. Uh, and then, so I made that, and that was kicking off. And then people were going, we love this. Can you make one for Twitter? And I was going, I don't use Twitter. I don't want to do that. This one took me five months. Not interested. And that cycle kind of repeated <laughs> for a few months until enough people said, please make one for Twitter. I said, fine. It took me 11 days. I would come home from school at about 4 PM and until probably 10 o'clock at night, I would be working. Um, I was putting in you know, six hours a day, doing zero homework for this whole period. I was getting nothing done in terms of my schooling. Uh, Eleven days later, I hit release, and instantly was bigger than Nano, like way bigger instantly, and still is. Like it's kept going, but it's like instantly way bigger. Uh, and then that's yeah. Then I continued. I made another Apple Watch app called Mini Wiki, yeah, a Wikipedia app for yeah. the Apple Watch, which caught the attention of uh, Wikipedia's lawyers, who did not like my logo Uh and issued a cease and desist over that, which is, like, I find so funny to think that in some high-rise in New York, some lawyer was thinking about a 17-year-old kid from a city in Australia. Like, that's hilarious (laughs) to me. I didn't care when I got the email. I was like, that's funny as. Like, all right, I'll change my logo, whatever.
0: Like, it was, you know, it was cool. Um, Yeah, I mean worst case scenario right it makes for a good story or something to tweet about like we yeah, had exactly. to change this because we were told off
2: right and i mean and i mean this is the best case scenario like when they just tell you hey please change this because they kind of have to do this in order to keep their copyright yeah because like it could have just have been that just as well been that they they with the season this desist there comes an invoice and then you kind of have to pay that thing,
1: yeah, and so it was like they they said, "Change your logo, otherwise it's fine, and so i was I was cool with that, so I came up with a better logo anyway, um, so now I'm pretty happy with it, um happy with the logo. I remember tweeting though, I remember saying, "Oh, uh, miniWiki's logo has to change because a certain someone wasn't too happy with it." Uh, And I thought that was a pretty on the nose way of saying Wikipedia's lawyers hated it, and most people got it. And I remember there being one reply going, "Oh, if one person doesn't like it, just say stuff them. Who cares?" (laughs) And and, uh, there was like some reply to them going, "I'm pretty sure he's talking about like Wikipedia the the corporation." Welcome to social media. Yeah, like not just an email from a guy who didn't like my logo. Uh,
0: There's always one. They're usually reviewing my apps, I think. Uh, so that grounded you in watch development and indie app development. Really, that that's like you've gone straight from high school straight into this world of uh, putting apps out there. And, well, I mean, and there and was overlap, of money,
1: even. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, have you found that that's become a, a full time job in terms of yeah. the income that you're getting from your apps now?
1: I mean, in terms of, the income, like, I mean, I, I still live at home with my parents. And if, if that's any yeah. indicator of the amount of income, uh, I, I could probably move out into like a, you know, a home worse than the one I'm living in now. So like I don't really want to, my parents are away a lot yep. as well, so I don't see the point yet. Uh, but no, it is a full-time job at the moment. I mean, I don't work on it necessarily full-time hours all the time. Some weeks I do. There were weeks when I was working on Pestle where I was absolutely putting in more than 40 hours. Um, and that's, I mean, I, I think a bit of a disconnect uh, when I talk to people who are working jobs that you, you know, commute to or like those sort of things. They look at sometimes what I'm doing as more of a hobby. They think, well, yeah, you know, if you can do it in your pajamas, it's not a real job, um, which is, you know, definitely f- a valid take. Oh,
2: let me tell you about the life of a startup founder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and no, look, I love what you're doing as well with telemetry deck. It's, it's, um, it's hooked into Pestle. Um, awesome. I'm, I'm loving, I, I, I haven't actually done anything with it yet besides like initialize the SDK on startup. And that sends that like new session began thing or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and that's almost enough for my needs at the moment. Um, just for, just to, you know, kind of see a breakdown of who's using of who's using password because i really wanted that privacy first approach
2: um yeah uh, that's kind of the idea you just like you put it in there and then you get uh, immediately you get like a heap of important but privatized data
1: yeah i mean i saw i saw two users a couple of weeks ago on uh, ios 16 I don't know yes. who they are. Oh, I,
2: love it. I love it when that happens. Like last year, last year, about, I don't know, two months before DubDub or so, they were starting to use Mac OS 12. And there was just at the time when people were um, spe- speculating, would it be called Mac OS 12 or would they go forward with 11 point something? And then I yeah. was able to say like, hey, no, it's going to be 12, which was like super exciting to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've only seen two, two launches so far of mm-hmm. iOS 16. I don't know who those people are. Uh someone at Apple I guess I would have to be on engineering. Like it wouldn't be like the promo team or, you know, someone. Like it would have to be a right. developer. Um yeah. no, it's, it's cool to see. And I haven't done anything more with telemetry deck yet. I keep calling it telemetry deck, which I know is wrong. But that's just how I say <laughs> it in my head. And I'm making such an effort to say telemetry. Um I don't know why, this is how I read it. I'm I mean I'm reading it left to right. Telemetry.
2: Uh, I, I, I mean, it's fine either way. I think people are understanding <laughs> you. <laughs> as long I as I recently I'm a customer. learned the German word for telemetry, which is not something that I had, and now I've had, I have this word in front of me, and I kind of want to make like an Art Deco poster out of it because it sounds like a 1920s German Bauhaus kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, I, I, need, I need to get a designer. Um, I'm sure you want to talk about Pessel. But I have like I two do. questions first about the watch apps. Um sure. which are um how did you build those? Was that was for um I don't know Nano Nano was the um, the Swift UI SDK for the watch app for the watch no. already out? No, these these, or did these you use were the both old school. F-
1: oh. Yeah, no, old school watch kit. This is before both yeah. of these were out before Swift UI. Um uh-huh. I, I mean I was in the uh, I was in the hall at the keynote when they announced um, Swift UI, um, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing it for the watch and thinking, "Oh my god!" Coming from WatchKit, this is incredible. <laughs> um, no, I so yeah, no Nano, MiniWiki Wiki, and uh, Chirp were all built pre-Swift UI based on WatchKit, uh, and I still like I'm still a Swift UI skeptic. Um, for the watch, mm-hmm. it makes the most sense. For the phone. I I just don't know. I really don't. I think uh, I mean, you like it. You know, is,
2: there's so a transitional period. I think, and it's it's going to yeah. be a, a period of of a few years. Like it's not 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 nearly over.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's been what this will be coming into year three. This June mm-hmm. will be year three. Um, it it's I don't know. I like it, but it's not there yet. I don't think, especially. SwiftUI 1, uh, I, given that I was building, like because I, I, when SwiftUI came out, I thought, oh, right, well, I'm going to use this. I'm going to teach myself this so I don't fall behind. And I rebuilt the key view of Chirp, the mm-hmm. timeline. That's the view people spend the most time on. I rebuilt that entirely in SwiftUI. Because the problem with WatchKit is you couldn't build your views like in code. It was drag and drop only. And so you had to, every single tweet, had to have an image, had to have a retweet label, had to have a verification badge, every single tweet. And you had to then encode, hide the element that weren't relevant to the one that you were building. So if a tweet came in, it was just text. Under the hood of that tweet, I've got so much extra stuff there that had to be there in case it was in another tweet. And so with SwiftUI... <laughs> Being able to say, only load an image object into memory, like, if I have to, was game-changing. And given that uh, SwiftUI, and I'm not sure if Apple's ever officially said this, but I'm pretty sure it's known, uh, SwiftUI was originally built for the watch. Like, it wasn't going to be an iOS thing, it was a watch development thing.
0: I've Uh, I've heard that as well, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I've, like, spoke to Apple engineers (laughs) who have said the same, So like, it's pretty confirmed. Um Given that, I think building the f- version of Chirp that I did build with it like, kind of made sense and it worked pretty well. Uh, I remember one bug was if you had a list of items of variable height, which is what you're going to get if you have a tweet, because you're going to have some with an image, some not, so some tweets are going to be twice as high as, as another tweet. If you had a list of things of variable height and you scrolled through them using the little crown, it would just, like, fly down to the bottom, skipping past everything I want. And I thought, oh, crap. I can't build a version of chat with this because it's rubbish. So I, like, filed a radar thinking this will get ignored because who? no one's building watch apps. And I mean, it's the same, <laughs> but, like, in 2019, no one was building watch apps. It wasn't a thing. Uh, especially complex ones like I was trying to do. I, I was kind of alone in this field. Um so I ra- I made this radar thinking, well this this will get ignored and so I kinda started kicking up like a bit of a stink on Twitter, firing this radar, throwing it around and eventually I got it fixed, and I I like to think that I sort of bullied a trillion dollar company into fixing a bug that affected only me. Uh I'm not sure if that was <laughs> really the case, but I like to think it was.
2: It's so a it's a good feeling.
0: Yeah. Little little man wins. <laughs> oh. That's a nice Very win. Nice. Regardless of uh, of whether it was just that or not, but well, yeah, um, I mean,
1: they they fixed the bug at the end of the day, so I'm happy regardless of why they did it. I was able to yeah. put out my update to chirp
0: with um, with Pestle. What brought you into developing that? How did that come about?
1: Yeah, so like, uh, you know, 2020, COVID's come about. Everyone's at home. Uh, my parents somehow. Managed to be the only people in the world who found a way to travel in 2020 and still haven't had to have a COVID test somehow. Uh, so they were away. I was at home and I was a 19 year old, or sorry, an 18 year old who didn't know how to make anything other than pasta. And that scared me. I thought, I don't want to grow up. Because, like, I mean, I didn't have my girlfriend at the time, but I figured, you know, no girl's going to be interested in a guy who can't cook anything at all. Um, i don 't want to be completely hopeless in a kitchen. I want to sort of know my way around. Um, so I started kind of teaching myself how to how to cook different things and I was trying lots of different recipes, lots of different cuisines, trying all these things uh, and you know, one no, sorry, two common frustrations I had was like first recipe websites and i I entirely understand why they do this, but recipe websites are cluttered they have a they have often a blog post before you get to the recipe at the bottom uh and to the people who care about that blog, and that's really important to them, they want to read that post. But to someone who like just wants the recipe to like make chili oil, then you're going to skim past it anyway. It, it's not like putting it there is going to make you read it. So get, I was kind of getting annoyed by having to scroll past everything all the time. And then when I did make a recipe and I changed something, maybe I put in more soy sauce or more garlic. I had no place to record like, that. More garlic? I couldn't... I couldn't write that down. You know, I couldn't say, I used more of this. And I was using the Notes app to, like, write down my recipes. And I thought, this is, this is rubbish. There's got to be, like, a recipe manager app. Like, surely there's one of those. And sure enough, yeah. there's, there's, there's plenty of them. Pestle's not the first, by no means. Uh, and I went on the app store and I tried a couple of them. Some paid, some free. Uh, and none of, them, none of them really, like, looked the way I wanted or function the way I wanted. Um, some looked too like Windows XP-esque, and some were too <laughs> trying to be modern. And I, I, just, I just want something that like looks like a bog-standard iOS app, just like human interface yeah. guidelines 101 iOS app. And so I just kind of started making my own thing. How hard could this be? So I was looking into how do you how do you pull a recipe off a page. And it turns out a lot harder than it seems. (laughs) There's, there's, (laughs) you know, there's, there's little bits of like some pages have some markup on them that you can pull a recipe out of. Um, a lot don't. And even the ones that have that, it's like your recipes terribly formatted. Uh, and then, you know, trying to take a, a string, like, you know, two cups flour and actually pass that to understand what that means. Like, you know, what is two? What is cups? Is flour relevant to anything here? i trying to like write all that stuff. It was super tricky. Um, and I'm pretty happy with how it is at the moment, uh, but it was yeah a long process. And yeah, pestle just came out of frustrations in learning to cook. And I thought it should be easier than this. Um, so I thought I'll make an app
0: that makes it easier. Talk us through your um your sort of development process. I'm thinking about pestle in particular, but I'm I'm thinking okay, you've you've got started, you're going for this. Like, how do you tend to, to iterate? Do you have like a test flight group and, yeah. you know, you bounce it off some people, that sort of thing? Cool. Or?
1: Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, you know, first step in the development process is like, figure out, do I need to build this? That's step one. Um, and so i yep. you know, try the other apps, Thought yep, I need to build this just, even if just for me. Um, and I've built apps that are you know, just for me in the past. I thought this might be one of them. uh, that was kind of step one, step two, I hit new project the next code, tried to come up with a name didn't end up using the name in the end because someone else had already used it, and they didn't respond to my emails when I wanted to buy them. Um, the process was build it for myself first, get it into a way that I liked it, and then yeah, went on test flight, you know I've got a lot of followers on Twitter, which is you know I'm very grateful for when I tweet something, I can get a sizable group together, try out my app. And then I would iterate with them, going back and forth, back and forth with them. Uh, And then I work at a co working space in Adelaide, um, you know, this kind of new setup uh, precinct in Adelaide, this co working space. And they do a thing on Tuesdays where you can have a focus group and it's included as part of your membership. Uh, Other members. So helpful. Yeah, other members of the co working space just come down and sit with you. And try your app out in pairs. So they, you, know, you might get like 15 people down. They sit in pairs. They try it out. They all take notes. And at the end, you can ask them a few questions. And then I had like you know, two pages worth of notes of all these things that people found, bugs wow. they found, crashes they found, tips they found, or things they liked. And so I did that twice. And I went to them on a Tuesday one time. And I said, all right, if you guys like it, if you guys give it the tick, I'm releasing it next Friday. Like, this is in your hands now. Yeah. I like it. I'm happy with it. But I'm really scared to launch an app. I've never launched an iPhone app before. <laughs> an iP- yep. It was an iPhone and iPad app, and I'm trying to make them talk to each other in real time, which is tricky. And so I made oh, yeah. this, and I, and I thought, I've, I'm, I haven't done this in ages. And I'm, <laughs> frankly, a bit scared. Uh, yeah. But I got them to try it out, and they all said, you know, there's nothing that you can't fix in the next, you know, 10 days. Uh release it. It's good. And that's exactly what I did. Next Friday, nine AM, it was out. Um and that was two and a bit weeks ago now. It'll be three weeks this Friday.
2: very right, nice.
0: It's pretty new
1: still.
2: Yeah. Adelaide, by the way, home of friend of the show, Heidi Helen. Shout out hi Heidi. Yes.
1: Ah, oh, Heidi yeah, I know <laughs> Heidi. Yep. Um yeah, we we used to go to a um I don't know if you guys know Quentins of Ars. You make uh mm. an app called streaks uh he's from mm-hmm. adelaide as well he used to run ah, cool. a yes. monthly developer meetup along with uh russell banovich i don't know if you guys use pocket cast that's made mm-hmm. in adelaide um yeah. a bunch of other developers including heidi would would come to this monthly developer meetup so i know heidi pretty well
2: awesome awesome yeah i, I love these kinds of kinds of meetup, meetups like i used to organize one myself um so, how did you like when you look at HEPED There's all these wonderful illustrations in there, especially on the onboarding and stuff. Like, how did you come up with those? I, uh, did you do those? Did yeah. you commission those? No,
1: yeah, no, I did those. Uh, uh-huh. um, yeah, so that the process for that was, was kind of funny. I, I found I went onto Unsplash and I found like royalty free uh, cooking images, and I took those, mm-hmm. and then I sort of drew over the top of them. To get oh, um, smart like just just to get the proportions right and everything because i 'm not an artist and i but I really liked the uh the drawing style of just like continuous yeah. line illustration so I, I did it uh, for each of those it was a bit tricky, but I was kind of happy with them in the end, and then I thought it'd be cool if on the onboarding page it looked like each drawing became the next one mm-hmm. uh, and so I wanted to make me yeah the onboarding's kind of the most like arty part of the app, and it's the first time i've really drawn anything or anything like that and put it out there. Um, but no, everyone's, everyone says they love the onboarding thing, which is awesome because that was just like a really late one night, I was drawing these things and my like girlfriend would walk into my dad's office where I was working and be like can you like wrap this up now? Like It's 10.30, let it <laughs> wrap it up. And I'd be like, no, I need to keep working, I'm nearly finished with it. Um, and yeah, it was a fun little process uh, to, to build, to draw all that out and and build that onboarding screen, it kind of breaks on the iPad, um, so on the iPad, each drawing kind of terminates in a little loop so it doesn't look unfinished, but mm-hmm. they don't flow into one another like it does when you use it on the iPad
2: right. and um, did, the, did the whole onboarding thing it, was it clear from the beginning that you wanted to have an onboarding, or was it more like a, a thing that came out in the focus group testing?
1: No, well, so originally there wasn't originally I was I mean the reason for the onboarding. Uh, is mm-hmm. I need users to make an account, so I was going to use iCloud, so um, then no one would need to make an account, and it would be even more seamless, uh, but given that I wanted to eventually build uh, versions for other platforms um, not, and i don 't even know if I will now that was the original motivation. Uh, I decided I was going to use uh, you know, i wasn 't going to use iCloud as my backend mm-hmm. um, and so yeah. I thought, all right, well users have to make an account. I put it on anonymous accounts that I just kind of generated, but that became really tricky because your iPad and your phone would have different anonymous accounts and trying to link them was a nightmare to think about. Um, I'm not going to rule out anonymous login in the future. Uh, the backend's written in TypeScript, which I didn't know. And now that GitHub Copilot has come out and you can use like AI to write TypeScript for you. And I've been using that a lot actually to work on a new feature for Pestle. <laughs> um, it's been it's been incredible. So maybe anonymous login in the future. It's mind blowing. My girlfriend was it asking is. this morning. It is
2: horrible. It is horrible, it's, but it's I so disagree. freaking I think helpful. It's amazing.
1: But this morning, my girlfriend she was like, "Well, does anything amaze you anymore? Like, does it, Do you ever feel amazed?" I was going, "Yeah, not really." And I said, "Except for when I'm using uh, GitHub Copilot, that constantly amazes me." I like I'm writing just comments for functions I've written and it's auto completing comments for me in plain English that are perfect. Like it's mind blowing. That amazes me. That's, that's something recently that I can truly say has amazed me.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I'm writing the, the web dashboard for telemetry deck and uh, in, in, in JavaScript and copilot is really helpful because I haven't written proper JavaScript for ages and ages. You're going to write so it. i and whenever I'm thinking like something like, oh, how does that go in JavaScript again? Because like my mind goes, will automatically present the solution in Python or Swift or something. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then Copilot will just auto-complete it. And sometimes it's complete garbage. But uh, sometimes it is, like, exactly the thing you were looking for in the language and the framework you were looking for. Um, Yeah, it's Copilot, by the way, if you you don't know it as a listener, it's a product by GitHub, currently free, where you sign up for the beta and then include it in your editor. Most people have it in Visual Studio Code, I think. And it will offer auto-completions of, like, up to maybe 20 lines of code where it tries using machine learning language to predict what you were trying to code and it has all the problems and all the amazements of machine learning it's like um it is super smart when it works and it's super dumb when it doesn't
1: but it works most (laughs) of the time and even for me when it is when it is dumb like sometimes it will spit out almost garbage there's something in there that i can use as someone who doesn't know typescript right Uh, i'm writing functions that are like copy all the recipes from this user into this, like, shared folder, um, which is a hint about what's to come for Pestle. Um, and I go, how do I read all the documents out and how do I write them all to this bot? And so I just write in English, copy all recipes to blah, blah, blah. And it fills in five lines for me and it does it. Sometimes it gets it, gets it wrong, but it gives me something in there that I can, like, you know, change one line to make it work. Mm. And then I can, you know, even work with permissions and I can write a code like write a comment that says uh, check if the user is a member of this shared folder and then new line and autocomplete completes going yep if this user ID is equal to this and this and this then they're allowed to proceed with this action otherwise put out this error like it's incredible writing code for you and that blows my mind I don't know if it will remain free I will pay for it happily if it ever becomes a paid thing though do you think this is teaching you TypeScript as well as you no. do? <laughs> well, maybe a little. I don't know. Uh, if I ran out of, if I had no internet and I couldn't use this machine learning thing, I'd be pretty hopeless with TypeScript. But um, you know, TypeScript is such a small, small part of my job. Uh, Swift is 99.9% of pestle, And then on the back end, there is a teeny bit of TypeScript that just, is there to keep your devices in sync. When you open your iPad, it knows what you've deleted since you last opened it and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's so minuscule that I hardly even need to know TypeScript. Uh, but even those functions that would keep track of those things would take me hours to write because I just didn't know what was going on. And it was it was truly wasted time. Like It got the job done in the end, but yeah. like it would have been so much quicker even to just hire someone to do that one little thing. Uh, so now to be able to effectively employ my computer to do it for me, um is it's revolutionized the way that I can work on the back end of PESL. like it it i only installed it kind of halfway or not even halfway through development like almost towards the end of development when i'd already finished all my typescript stuff i thought oh yeah i got an email saying i've got access to this beta i'll give it a try uh and it's incredible like it it's, it's not really teaching me but i don't really feel like being taught i just want to get the job done
2: it does it does do that very well i i sometimes feel skeptical i mean as you would with all these kinds of new things, because whenever I use it for Python, and I've done Python for over 10 years, so I, I know my my Python code, right? And then it tries to autocomplete something in Python, and then I realize, okay, this is very good most of the time, but stylistically there's stuff in there that um, a human Python programmer would not put into this project because it goes against every mm-hmm. like larger project rule kind of thing. And also sometimes there's like there's like a tiny minuscule error in there where you wouldn't notice it at first, and that's what I'm most afraid of. Like I I usually whenever a, co- a copilot gives me something, I try to very very um, closely go through everything and see like has it has the, does this have side effects? Does this have uh, security holes or something? Um, but yeah, I might be very skeptical. The other thing is. I love it, but I'm kind of concerned about the the ethical aspect of this. But maybe this goes too yeah. so far for this for the, for this show. But it's basically taking other people's code who oh, didn't write it with this in mind, and then it tries to. Especially, imagine they ask for money for a co-pilot. Then it's like, yeah. like so. These people were to write the code for free, and someone else profits. It it well, needs to I have mean, someone think of this.
1: I, I think it's a little it's a little bit more nuanced in that. The code that it's spitting out isn't snippets of other people's code necessarily. They, they, I think they said like zero point one percent of the time it may put out a one-to-one match with something that it was trained on, uh, mm. but yeah. you know, you know, ninety-nine point nine percent of cases, it's it's writing code like it's new code. It's not something that's been written before, and I find that for what you would use Copilot for. I, I mean, I mean, maybe this is short-sighted, but I don't really envision uh, envision a an algorithm that's going to write that you could write any differently. Like I'm writing a bit of code to copy all the things from A to B. Not many mm. ways you can do that. I don't imagine that there is, you know, much infringement that's possible. But perhaps that's short-sighted. I don't know. I just feel like it's it for the most part it's writing code, and for what it's not writing. And what are you doing that would really you know mean infringing on someone else if you're just writing
0: simple algorithms yeah
2: i oh, I don't mean in the legal sense, it's just like in the the you know the the very vague feeling of ownership and fairness and something like that, and I'm not saying like oh no one no one should use copilot ever It's more like yeah, keep these things in mind, I think um yeah because like you you completely write the whole like tiny boilerplate functions that everyone just has to write and then if this thing just takes them off you like awesome and i use it as well right um i just want to keep these keep these things in mind and like ask myself every now and then like is this um does this is this changing over time or is this like something that a feeling that i had at the, at the beginning and then it doesn't come back uh, or it goes away after a while but yeah that's just see, it's it's of in any way it's very exciting and we're gonna have um this It in is mind.
0: exciting, I'm sure. It's right on the edge of being exciting and still having all these sort of nuances to be sort of figured out mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah.
2: And the implications are not clear at all. Like um, as not- with any new and in- interesting and exciting and amazing, as you said, Will, technology, you will have like the, you will have implications, you will have consequences that are not clear right now
1: yeah but i mean i for what it is now and it is entirely new territory we don't know mm-hmm. yeah you know, yet what's going to come of it and how good it's going to get and whether it is going to you know actually copy more people's code one for one in in this like kind of sharing aspect um for now for what it is uh as a you know sort of short-sighted approach uh, or short-sighted you know look at it i think it's amazing i think it's really cool Uh, I think the skepticism is entirely valid and and should be asked. But for the most part, I just think it's cool. And it takes the weight off my back having to write code that I don't want to write.
0: I'm curious, Will, why did you go TypeScript? Did Vapor potentially sort of rear its head at one point when you were looking at backends?
1: It did not at all. Uh, I've never used Swift as a backend. Um, I don't. Find it particularly suited for it. For me, TypeScript um, with the backend host that that Pestle uses, um, you can write uh, functions for it, and the language they use yep. is TypeScript or JavaScript. And I they let you right. choose in the setup little wizard in your command line Do you want to use TypeScript or JavaScript. And I thought TypeScript seemed more akin to Swift in terms of how it handled yep. types, and so I just thought, all right, we'll go with that. Um, and so yeah that I mean that was entirely why I chose uh TypeScript because it was the lesser of two evils.
0: Fair enough, now that makes a lot of sense. So where are you going next with Pestle? What's uh what's next on the course now you've released version 1? Well,
1: yeah, I mean as as I've as I've hinted at uh on this episode, uh, the number one requested feature has been household. People want to share recipes and people want to share meal plans with their partner, with their kids, with you know whoever lives in their house usually. Um and people want households. So it's really tricky to build that in a van with limited access to power and limited access to, you know, mobile data even. Um trying to trying to build that's really hard. Uh and I don't think it will be done in the next six weeks before I get home. But that's what's next, yep. I think. The next major feature outside of bug fixes, which I'm always working on, the next major feature is household and then following households i'll save up and buy a one mac and i'll start working on a mac yep. version because that's the second most requested thing is i want to use this for my mac that's where i plan things and i get that and i was going to make a mac version and i have a somewhat working mac version but i wanted to do a lot more than just like click the checkbox and have it compile for mac like i want more than that and I've even gone as far as to disable it running on an M1 Mac because I don't own one, so I can't test it, and I don't want to charge for something that, like, I don't know if it works. You know, maybe something weird yep. about M1 Macs means that some paid feature of Pestle doesn't work, and people pay for Pestle, Uh And so if people are going to want to use it on their Mac, I want to know that it's going to work. So you know, those yeah. are the next two main things, is first household sharing. Uh, and then a Mac version that hopefully at least, maybe a couple versions and maybe not on release, but it you know, looks like a Mac app. doesn't look like someone's hit a checkbox.
2: Yeah. As someone who has an M1 Mac, by the way, um, I want to say, us people who install iPhone apps on our Mac, we are very, very aware that this is like an automated translation and that things just sometimes don't work. Well, I, I
1: don't know. I think. But yeah, you're, I mean, you're a developer. Yeah, I think the develop the developer space does.
2: Ah, oh, yeah, maybe you're right. For me, it is like every time every time I install one of those apps, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy that the developer didn't disable this because it gives hmm. me it gives me like like for example, shout out to the developer of FoodNoms, who I which I love, but I forgot his name right now. I'm so happy that this can just run on my Mac because I can like enter my my um my food stuff on the Mac with a proper keyboard and it's way quicker and it's nice and everything. Um but but yeah um I mean it's good it's good that you are planning to release a Mac app version. Um I'm thinking of adding a pop
1: up maybe in the short term that just says this app has not been tested for an M one Mac. Very Mm -hmm. sorry if anything goes wrong. Contact Apple for a refund.
2: Like in any case.
1: Uh like I don't offer support or something. I don't know.
2: How does, um, how does your business model work? Um, do you pay on download? Do you have a subscription?
1: Yeah, so it's a bit, I mean, it's a bit of both. I understand subscription fatigue. A lot of people hate subscription That's fair. Mm-hmm. But you know I, I released Chirp three years ago for $2, and people still want updates. That's fair, because there are some people who bought it yesterday for $2. But like, it's not an entirely viable option for a developer who has recurring expenses mm-hmm. to charge something one time. Uh, and so for Pestle, with that in mind, I thought I'll charge a monthly option, and it's a dollar. That price may change, but like if the price is going to go up, that won't go up for existing users. And I'm very strong in that belief that if you subscribe at $1, it should stay at $1. Uh, mm-hmm. So if I have to make a duplicate subscription for people for a higher price, like that's what I'll do. So I've a monthly one, I've got a yearly one, um, which saves you like a month or two's worth in the year. And then I've got a lifetime one, which is priced at around two and a half years of a, a yearly or monthly subscription. Um, so that's yeah, that's, that's yeah. what it is right now. Uh, and when I launched it, I did $5 for life, which I know is not a, a long-term viable option. Uh, so that's why it only kind of ran until the end of the month. Um, so it's over now if you listen to it. But if you're listening now and you want to get Pestle for that $5 price, you can actually use code It, one word um and so people can use that and actually get a bit of a discount <laughs> um but yeah it's, it's priced I'm, i want to be fair but i also want to be you know i want to be fair to the user and also fair to myself i put seven right. months of work into yeah. this sometimes full-time if that was in australia and i was earning you know minimum wage i should be looking at earning at least like 16 or 17 grand uh for this app in that seven months or if i'm looking at you know, the the pay of like a software developer is gonna be higher. So I I need to price it in a way that is fair to myself for the work that I've put in, but also fair to the user who might be tired of subscriptions or, you know, anything like that.
0: How have you found that's that's broken down sort of since launching? Did you, I know you had like a, a special offer on the lifetime. Yeah. Um, well I mean
1: the, the special offer would uh it, it kinda of worked against me. Uh the special offer was so enticing that no one subscribed. Uh, and so despite having like 6,000 people download the app in the first week, virtually none. And I mean like under a hundred of them, uh, said, I'm going to subscribe to this month to month or year to year. Um, a lot of them bought lifetime, which is sweet because it's like a short term. You look at your graph and you go, wow, this is exciting. Um, yeah, but it's like, you know, I'll never see that money from that person again. That's fine. That's what I set up. They'll have it for life. I'm not gonna go back on that. Um But so and yet the pricing isn't settled. A dollar a month, ten dollars a year, twenty five for life is the US pricing at the moment. That might change. Lifetime might go down to a, a year and a half instead of two and a half years kind of worth or or what. Like nothing's settled. Um I'm gonna run tests once revenue cat roll that out. I'll I'll try different things. Um I'm very, very fortunate. However that you know living at home my parents aren't rushing me to move out um i have that comfort uh my other apps yep. ma- are making money as well so with with Pestle kind of supplementing the other apps income uh it's it's quite nice you know it 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 pays for me to live in a van <laughs> which some people might not find particularly glamorous but every day that my apps are running it's it's paying for another day or 3 days whatever living in a van, which is, I think is, is sweet for now. Um, if in the future awesome. I need to change yeah. prices in a way that make me more money, I'll do that. But for now, I'm just happy where, happy where it is.
2: I love it. May your batteries always be charged.
0: Thank you. I try. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Well, um, but before we go, where can people find you online? Where's the best place to get
1: you? Uh on on Twitter's probably my best spot. That's just Will R Bishop. Just the letter R and then Bishop. Will R Bishop. Uh or my website, Willbish.com, has links to everything else. Uh if you want to look at Pessel, you'll be able to find it from my Twitter, but otherwise PestleChef.app. Um They're the best spots to reach me at the moment. Um if you have any questions, any listeners, uh I'm very responsive over email and Twitter. Uh, so yeah, you can reach me on Twitter, email my apps, whatever. Um, I just want people to try out what I've made.
2: Awesome. Oh, and when pestle is spelled P-E-S-T-L-E. If you want to enter it into the app store yes. search.
1: And I'm glad you're pronouncing it uh, correctly because I've heard a lot of people pronounce it as pestle.
2: And I pestle. don't know
1: where <laughs> pe- I don't know where pestle comes from. I don't know if people haven't heard of a of a mortar and pestle. Like that's where the name comes from. Um, I don't know. Pestle, as if maybe they're putting
2: on a pedestal.
1: Maybe that's that's a nice way to look at it. Actually, maybe that's what they're doing.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll we'll link everything all up in the show notes anyway, so listeners can click out from those in their podcast player. Cool. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for being here, for telling us um, about your previous apps and the current app, um, for telling us about the van life. Uh, it's something that my brother has considered at some point, and I know it's like super, super exciting and and interesting and and even enticing to just go out there and be on your own. So yeah, I can understand. It's nice to hear about someone who, who does it.